wow, you were right. Dan said the words of this are so powerful, and I spent most of my time uh, listening to that song, just looking at some of the instrumental parts of it, but as I sang those words, uh, it is a song of incredible faith and depth and trust in our Savior. I am so excited that we get to spend some time in God's Word tonight. Tonight, I'm going to continue this series talking about how Jesus is our only peace in the midst of storms. I think it is appropriate that um, as I am from Florida, I think I have a little bit of opportunity to speak about storms. Although people in Florida have a different perspective of storms, um, there's this meme that you can see online, and there is a man standing in, I don't know, I think no shirt on and like shorts on. He has a cape on flying through the wind, and he has an American flag in the middle of the streets. And that is kind of our hurricane is coming meme that when you see that meme on social media, we know, all right, it's hurricane season and we are prepared. The thing is, in most of the world, whenever they hear a storm is coming, they hunker down. Um, But in Florida, when we hear a storm is coming, it is time to get the snacks because we are going to have some awesome hurricane parties. That's just what we do. Now, if that sounds absolutely um, unreasonable and inappropriate for you. You got to understand there are storms all over and they come in different ways. But when you see a hurricane and this is 10 days out or five days out or three, four days out, it might have you smack dab in the middle of that thing, but you know, it's probably not going to come here. And so you go through all the stuff, you get the snacks and you make the preparations, but then you have to sit and you wait and you wait for days where they say, no, it's actually going to be over here. And then they say, no, it's actually going to be here. And so the whole time it's kind of going back and forth. And then it never hits anywhere. They said it just kind of does something at once on its own. And uh, that's just what we expect. I will tell you that if you're in Florida, you have very different perspectives. I've been blessed to live on the east coast of Florida for most of my life. But for about eight years, right out of Bible college, I lived on the west coast of Florida. On the west coast of Florida, they take them quite a bit seriously. Don't get me wrong. They still have hurricane parties. But when you're down near Sarasota, Fort Myers, um, Port Charlotte, Northport, all that area, when they say a storm is coming then they do these, I don't know if you guys know what these are, but they get these shutters that you take these metallic shutters and you line them all up on your house and you bolt down the entire house and then you live for the next four days in darkness because there is no sun coming in and nothing else getting out of the house while it is completely boarded up for hurricane season. And so you leave those, those um, metallic guard plates over your windows and doors so that you can uh, keep your house in one piece. Um, in Jacksonville, God has given us this protection with land that when a storm is coming, we just have not really had many. If somebody's watching this online and they're like, yes, we did have that one storm. I understand, but I've been living there a long time. And we just kind of see the storms come and roll off the coast. And it's usually not that big of a deal, at least for the people on the west side of Jacksonville. So that being said, uh, my family did live in Springfield, Missouri for a couple years. And that was a whole new ball game. Because in Florida, you see a storm coming from 10 days out and you watch this thing and you change your plans and you decide if you're going to go to Disney World because nobody's going to be there and all these different things that are going on. But then you realize um, when we moved to Springfield, you don't get the heads up about the storms. In fact, I'll never forget, I was in our house and I began to hear this alarm and my first thought was, is this a fire alarm going off in our house? No, it's not a fire alarm. It sounds deeper and fuller, more powerful. And I thought, where is it? I began to walk through the house and I couldn't find it. I opened the door and the noise got so much louder. And I realized that's coming from outside. And my first thought was, 
this is like a sound system for our entire city. I didn't even know this thing exists, but there were sirens going off like over the whole city. And so I began to look for where the speakers were in the future. But at that moment, I was like, what are we supposed to do? So I called somebody up and was like, hey, when you hear this alarm, what are you supposed to do? And they were like, run to, <laughs> run to the basement, run to the, the door jams, run, jump in the bathtub, do something. But you just need to get to a safe place because there are, anybody know? Tornadoes. And those things are powerful and scary and way more unpredictable than a hurricane. And, uh, and it's just a, a whole new ballgame. You, you don't have tornado parties, okay? There is no time. It is terrifying. And you don't have time to go get snacks at Walmart. That being said, when I talk about storms, I understand that there are so many different things that come to mind when we think about storms. Um, all the way from, obviously, weather storms to the storms and trials in life to somebody storming in mad. Maybe they shout, and it, it, you can describe even shouts as a storm. Um, maybe you think of um, uh, an army who's going to storm the castle. We use this word storm in many different ways. Let me go through just a few of the points that I want to talk about tonight. When I say storms, you may think of a literal storm, like a hurricane, a tornado, or maybe um, I think what you call here is a winter weather advisory. Is that right? Yeah, winter weather advisory. Um, maybe an earthquake. We just saw that take place in Afghanistan. It was Afghanistan was where the major uh, earthquake was a few weeks back. All kinds of literal storms that occur in our world. Maybe you think of physical storms, like getting a shot in your eyeball. Oh my goodness. Right here on the second row, we see that she got a man. It's been a wild week, and every day you are still here, and I'm just blessed by that. Praise the Lord. I cannot imagine getting a shot in the eye and still coming and sitting in the church to listen to what God has. So I'm impressed by that. But we have physical storms in life. Listen to what that means. Um, maybe you have sickness or injury, uh, cancer. Um, oh, I won't say it, but we let our kids um, speak pretty negatively of cancer in our house. Um, not extreme negatively, but I mean, they can, they can say cancer sucks in our house because we lost the, one of the most precious people in our world to us. And we hate hate cancer. There's so many physical elements that when, ailments that when we face these things, they become storms and great trials, great pain in our life. Maybe you think of emotional storms, emotional storms of worry or unbelievably indescribable anxiety, stress and heartache. Maybe you're here tonight and you can say, you know, I don't know that those stand out, but maybe you have relational storms. Relational storms, I think, are some of the greatest burdens because you have people that you love, uh, relationships that you've had that things didn't go the way that you expected to go. Maybe relationships that are broken. Maybe you've experienced divorce, whether it's in your marriage or maybe through your parents' marriage. Um, maybe your children's marriage that you've seen divorce and the pain that comes from it. Storms of abuse that take place through relationships. Storms of betrayal, slander, gossip. Maybe you've experienced some of those storms in life. Maybe you think of spiritual storms, and this is the last one, but I hope that some of these are sticking to you of, you know what, I understand, I have gone through storms. Maybe you think of spiritual testings, spiritual warfare, or honestly what terrifies me, spiritual apathy, a season or a storm where you just have a hard heart and you're not listening to the Lord or not willing to obey his commands, his instruction. The truth is, I have an amazing Sunday school teacher that I've been under for several years, and he always says this, there's one thing I know, you are either coming out of a storm, 
you're in a storm or you're probably heading into a storm. And that should remind us that no matter what it is, whether it be literal, physical, emotional, relational, spiritual, and any kind of storm we face, we must remember that our only peace in the storm can come from Jesus. And so tonight we're going to be talking about this. I want to begin by talking about the definition, the very definition of the word storm. When we look at the word storm, according to the dictionary, it's called a violent disturbance in the atmosphere. Every single one of those things can relate to a violent disturbance in the atmosphere. Let me just give a quick example. If it's a storm, obviously there is a violent disturbance of wind and rain and hail and snow and sleet and all those things in the atmosphere. That's obvious. But when you think of a physical storm, maybe um, when cancer, those, the word cancer is used, then you have this atmosphere of your life. And when that word is mentioned, it becomes a violent disturbance in the atmosphere of your life. You face things like um, worry and anxiety, and it just becomes a violent disturbance in your life. The word also goes on to mean to suddenly attack by means of force. That means what things in your life have you had that have just popped up and it just feels like an attack by force. Maybe you have relational um, conflicts that have come up in your life and it just feels like you are under attack by force, either from the devil or from the people that are causing pain in your life. You go on and you see that to suddenly attack when you think of spiritual storms, we wondered, God, we know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against angels and I'm, I'm sorry against spiritual wickedness in high places against principalities and rulers of the darkness of this world we understand that we do have enemies and those enemies are out to attack and cause storms spiritual storms in our life so my question is this what violent disturbances in the atmosphere of your life have you faced and i do want you to take a second I literally am going to give you a moment of silence. I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to process what literal storms, what physical storms, what emotional storms, what relational storms and spiritual storms can you recall that tonight, as we work through these things, you can apply the solution of Jesus Christ, the peace that, that passes all understanding that comes from Jesus alone. You can apply that. Will you think about that? What are the storms that you've gone through? Take a moment and consider those storms. As you think about it, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 25. Isaiah chapter 25, and we're going to be reading together. Will you please stand with me as we read together? Isaiah chapter 25. This is absolutely wild, but I don't have my Bible up here with me. Um, it must be in uh, um, Matthew's off, Matt's office, and I've got my, my, I can read it right here, but my Bible has amazing highlights, so I'd love mine if I can. So um, here's what I want us to read as we go through this together. In Matthew chapter 25, uh, did I say 20, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah 25, verses 1, 4, 8, and 9. Isaiah 25, look at verse 1, it says this, O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee, I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things, thy counsels of old are faithfulness and true. Look down at verse 4 where it says, For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat when the blasts of the terrible ones are storming against the wall. 
This is incredible because as you're reading this picture in Isaiah, he literally continues with this parallel of storms. Look at verse 8, where it says in verse 8, He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all the faces. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. Verse 9 says, And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. There is a new song of worship that I love to sing, I love to to worship to, and it says, this is our God, this is what he's done, and he loves us. And we get to celebrate the power of the gospel as we sing that. I love how in verse 9 it says, this is our God, we have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord, we have waited for him, we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Now look over at chapter 26. In chapter 26, verse 1, it says this. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. It's a song of testimony, a song of God's faithfulness, a song that celebrates who he is and what he has done. And in verse 3, it says this. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Can I get an amen on that verse? Will you read it with me? I'd like us to read it out loud together. That is Isaiah 26, verse 3. Read it out. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Will you pray with me tonight? Father, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the clarity that your word gives us, that even in the life, in the darkest and most difficult storms that we will face in this life, God, we can put our hope and our trust in you. God, we can look at your word and we can see your promises. We can trust in your goodness. We can stand in faith. We can go to you in prayer with thanksgiving and we can face these storms. And in the end, your word promises that we will have the peace that only Jesus Christ can give us. So God, I pray that tonight we will be reminded of the storms that we have gone through. We will be reminded of your faithfulness through them. God, I pray that we will also tonight... Look at the storms that we are currently in and consider the storms that we may be entering into in the future. And God, I pray that through each and every one of those, we will learn tonight from your word how we can have your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So tonight as we go through this, I have an outline and I want to begin by jumping over to a totally different passage and we're going to talk about one of the most common passages, but there are a lot of really beautiful nuggets from God's word and that is Matthew chapter 8. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. Last night as we studied together, we were actually in Matthew chapter 7 and we saw all of the things that Jesus said in that message and it's interesting because after that message, everybody's standing around hearing all the words of wisdom from God in the flesh through Jesus Christ. And you get to chapter 8, and Jesus and the disciples go and they get onto a boat. And so I want us to study tonight these verses between Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27. I want you to, you can remain seated, but I do want you to stay engaged and read with me as we study God's word. We're going to talk about many different parts here as we address this first point, and that, that is that Jesus gives us peace in our physical storms. And we're going to literally start with the most physical storm you can imagine, and that is being out on a boat in the water while there's a major storm, and that's terrifying. Let's read what it says here. Chapter um, 8, verse 23 says, And when he entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. That's wonderful. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do, following Jesus. It says in verse 24, And behold, there arose a great For some reason, I want to say clatter every single time. There arose a great clatter. Anybody, you know, know, it ain't Christmas yet. Calm down. 
It might be because it's on the next word, but it says, And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. Wow. Okay, that's, it. that's intense. There was a massive storm out on this sea, and the waves were so big that they were covering the boat. Um, have you ever been in a, in a boat in the sea during a storm? It's a terrifying thing. Now listen, I've been on a cruise ship during a storm, and that's scary. But it's a whole other thing when you're in a small fishing boat during a storm. I was blessed with the opportunity to go fishing, tarpon fishing, with a bunch of men in our church um, in my first years of ministry. And we went out into this Gasparilla Pass down in southwest Florida where you fish for tarpon. And there are hundreds of boats out there. And we, they, by the way, it's kind of crazy. They go at nighttime. And in the middle of the night, you leave at like 10 o'clock and you go out in the middle of the night during the season. And so we're out there and we get to the place where we want to fish. And it's probably around 11 p.m. And the rain starts and the lightning starts. There's a lot. That's amazing. ADH Lee. Very good. My phone starts playing a video in the middle of my pocket. Listen to this. Listen, the lightning starts striking on the water. The rain is coming. And these guys don't seem to care an ounce. And I'm sitting there. This is, I've never done this before. I'm in this boat and I'm starting to get a little nervous. I said, uh, hey guys, um, it's storming. A bunch of the other boats left. There's only like 20 boats out here. What, what are we going to do about it? And they said, what do you mean what are we going to do? We're going to catch some tarpon. And I was like, oh yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I thought we were going to catch some tarpon. Okay, just checking. And I was like, no, no guys, no, seriously, they're starting to get water in the boat. Um, like there's like this much water, like, I don't know, like six inches and four or five inches of water in the boat. Um, anybody else concerned? It's a long ways to land and I don't want to swim in this lightning and thunder and all this stuff. And they say, listen, you're in a ranger and a ranger is unsinkable. Okay. This thing, you don't have to worry about anything. It's made of major foam. I was like, I heard of the Titanic. Um, <laughs> they said that was unsinkable too. And I'm just a little concerned here. Well, listen, I kid you not, they just kept fishing, and I was getting more and more nervous by the minute, Um, so much so that I'm back there, fish are the last thing on my mind, what I'm looking for are lights, because it's dark, and I'm saying, okay, that looks like a lighthouse, I think I can swim to that, if I just keep that in my sight, then I don't know what's going to happen to them, but I'm going to swim for safety, we are out there, and finally the water, I kid you, it's going to sound like crazy, but the water is this deep, and one of the guys says, hey, I'm going to just grab a bucket and start throwing the water out of the side, and all of a sudden he's like, yeah, well, it's okay, watch this cool trick, and they have this cool trick on this boat, apparently, that you kick it in gear, and when you kick it in gear to go forward, all the water just washes out of the back of the boat. Did y'all know this exists? That's crazy stuff. I was like, that's pretty cool, except they went to push the boat to go forward, and it was so full of water that it would not go forward. And I'm going, where are the life jackets? Um, I, I'm scared to death. And so he's like, yeah, I got it going forward. So they're literally two or three guys are taking the water and throwing the water out of the buckets. And I'm terrified. In fact, I'm so thankful that nobody was sleeping on the boat. But I do understand very well what is taking place in this story because I was terrified. Now, praise the Lord, because you're going to want to know what happened. They literally bucketed a ton of the water out. And then he had the, the engine all the way down so that finally it started moving enough so that the water washed out. And it was so scary out there. We didn't just go back to the marina. They literally went to a little cove, an inlet, where we kind of like parked in the harbor and sat there for two hours for the storm to pass. And then they were like, y'all want to go fishing again? I said, I need to go home, all right? I got to change my pants, all right? 
it's been a scary night and I need to get to safety. So put me on dry land. Y'all can go fish. I'm done. And I never went night fishing again. Um, they never invited me, but I would have said no anyway. Okay. So listen, we see this passage right here. I've lived a little tiny taste of what that is where I think I'm going down. We are going under and I need to know where am I going to swim and what am I going to do? The difference is they had a miracle worker sleeping on the boat with him. You say, how do you know he was sleeping? Verse 24 says this, the waves were so big they covered the ship, but he was asleep. I love how there's like a colon there and it just kind of says it like an afterthought. Let me read the verse for context. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. (laughs) I read it like that. I read it like, you're not going to believe this. Like when Matthew was writing this, he knew that we would all be on his side. Like, do you know what? That boat was going down. We were terrified. And Jesus was asleep. Are you kidding me? Um, that's a beautiful thing. It just shows the peace of God that, listen, he has a plan. He's not worried. Let's see what he goes on to say in verse 25. And his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We perish. I'm pretty sure I probably said something that same night while I was on the boat, but they said, Lord, save us. We perish. Verse 26 says, and he, Jesus saith unto them, why are ye fearful? O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. There was a great calm. Isn't that sweet? And moments of tension and terror and fear and waves and every negative thought that could possibly be processed through your brain is coming up with, where am I going to swim? What lighthouse am I going to do? The boat's sinking. We're full of water. I don't even know what to do. Jesus stands up. He calms the waters. And it says, and there was a calm. By the way, Jesus can do the same thing in your life. Whatever stresses and fears and anxieties and struggles, whatever storms you're going through, Jesus can bring the calm to it. As we continue on, it goes on and it says this. Oh, I want to address this first before I continue on. Look at 26. It says this. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? When I first read that, I have a slight tension with it because I'm wondering, why is he rebuking them? They're just scared. They just think they're going to die. But Jesus would say to that, why would they think they're going to die? Have they not listened to everything that I have said? I have made it very clear that I have a plan and that we are going to do a lot of things before they die. A lot of things are going to happen. I've called them to be fishers of men. We're in the process of that They're not going to die because I have a plan and they don't need to panic because the panic in this moment is actually giving evidence that they don't believe. Isn't that wild? Their panic is basically their response of saying, we don't believe what you're saying, Jesus. We think we're going to die. We think this problem is bigger than what you can handle and we need something. We need something to change. As it goes on in this passage as we see, why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Unless you are with someone who controls the storm and has a bigger and better plan. And that's what Jesus had for those disciples. It says in verse 26, read here with me, that um, at the end of that, and there was a great calm in verse 27 says, but the men marveled saying, what manner of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey him. 
Oh, baby. Sorry for clapping. That was loud. I get excited about this because these guys literally just saw this raging storm that was scaring them to death. They were terrified. They'd go wake up Jesus. What are we going to do? And Jesus says, calm down. I got this. All right. You know that we got bigger and better plans. It's okay. We're not going to drown. He calms the sea. Everything was peace. And their jaws dropped to the floor. They're going, I mean, it's one of those moments where they're like, do you see this? What in the world just happened? And the one of them says, what kind of man is this? Are you kidding me? Even the wind and the seas obey him? This is a whole nother level. I mean, they had goosebumps galore. They were all over like, this guy just controlled the wind and the ocean and he is allowing us on the same boat with him. I can't even believe it. So as we go through this, we see these beautiful words that there was a great calm. We go on, they were marveled at what he had done. And then, um, oh man, I just, I, let me jump to the, this next part. All right, so then we go on. We see number one, that there's peace in our physical storms. Number two, not only is there peace in our physical storms, but there are peace in our emotional storms. Listen, what about the depths of the storms, the emotions that you're facing? Oftentimes these can occur when we face one storm and our physical burden is so heavy. Have you ever gone through one storm and it kind of creates another storm? That's the emotional storms a lot of times. You go through one thing and it causes fear and anxiety to just cripple you. It causes you to worry and have this burden that is heavy. It's so heavy. If anxiety turns into deep emotion, sorrow, and struggles. Listen to what Matthew chapter 11 says. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Through 30. When I think of this verse, I think of your pastor, by the way. Last time I was here, he and I had such an amazing conversation about this passage and about Jesus and his care for his sheep. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Listen, I know that some of you are carrying emotional weight that seems more than you can bear, but I want to encourage you to put your trust in the promises of Jesus Christ. In this passage, listen, Jesus gives us an invitation to come to him for rest when we are burdened or in emotional turmoil. If you're here tonight and you say, you know, I just got just so many emotional tensions and struggles, take them to the feet of Jesus. Say, Jesus, I don't even know how to deal with these things. I know what your word says and I want to trust you, but I just don't even know how to deal with my anxiety. God's word tells you how to deal with it. And let me just say this. I am, I am for things like counseling and therapy, but not when they get to the point where they say, yeah, but the Bible doesn't really help you with this. Nope. I don't believe that. I do believe that God's word gives you truth and it gives you life. Now, I don't think those other things are wrong. I don't even think that it's wrong. If the, if, if the Lord gives you peace and you are prescribed some kind of a medication for those things, that's, listen, that's, that's fine. But the word of God should be our first source, our first avenue to say, what does God say about how I can handle these anxieties and these struggles? If you're dealing with storms of anxiety and worry and it's out of control, I just want to beg you tonight to consider the peace of Jesus. Consider what his word says on how you can achieve, how you can gain that peace that only he can give. So number two, Jesus gives peace in our emotional storms. But number three, Jesus gives peace in our relational storms. Some of the hardest storms that we face are those matters of conflict with other people. You know, it hurts when people are mean to us. 
You know, as a pastor, I'm just going to tell you, I'll throw this little nugget out there. One of the things that is, um, is so incredibly difficult is when somebody calls you up on the phone and says, Pastor, I need to meet with you. I have something really difficult to talk to you about, and I'm unhappy about something. And you say, okay, okay, sounds good. Um, let's talk. No, nope, I need to do it. Let's meet sometime next week, maybe next Thursday, next Friday. And you're like, wait, wait, wait a second. This is like earth shattering. It's the biggest deal that you've got to deal with and have all of this frustration. And you're just going to put it off for like a week. Uh uh-uh. We dealing with this right now. All right. Like, am I coming to your house? Or are you coming to mine? But we need to talk about this now. Listen, we don't need to put those things off. If you've got tensions or conflicts or struggles in your heart, then you need to deal with them and do what the word of God says. And we're going to talk specifically about that. I will tell you one of my favorite verses is this. Um, let me, let me pull it out. It's good. Um, Blessed are they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. What? When we are in love with the word of God, we're going to be a lot less offended in this world. You need to understand that. Listen, and I will go as far as to say the contrast is when we're offended all the time, maybe we don't have the love relationship with the word of God that we need to have because the word of God keeps perspective on things. Remember we saw Paul and Apollos and they were fighting about all kinds of things that Paul said, that doesn't even matter. It's not even in part of the big picture. That same thing can happen in our lives and we need to love the word of God so that we're not constantly offended about different things. Look at this with me. Jesus gives us a path to reconciliation. Some of you have broken relationships. You have people that have hurt you. You may even be justified at the frustrations and the feelings of bitterness, but you are not justified in holding back the forgiveness that Jesus commands you to give. The first thing I want to share with you in this point is forgiveness. Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 15, it says this, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Let me just tell you, that's one you need to go back and study, okay? There's too much stuff there for me to unpack. We'll be here for another 45 minutes. But this is one of those things, you ever hear something and it's really good, but it happens so fast that you don't have time to digest it? I'm just telling you, you just did, because that's what that verse is. There are so many points. And what you need to do is if you have conflicts in your life or situations where you struggle to forgive someone, you need to sit down with a piece of paper and this verse, and you need to say, God, I'm your child. I want to be holy. I want to be a child of love that honors you and obeys you. Help me to be filled with your mercy and kindness. God, first of all, in this relational conflict, show me how I am not being kind. God, in this relational struggle, show me how I am not being humble in my mind. God, if I am being proud, reveal it to me. Show me how I'm being proud so that we can redeem this, this, restore this relationship. God, if I'm not being meek and humble and gentle in that, if I'm not being long-suffering, I'm willing to just, to just take it. I mean, when I was a youth pastor and I'd preach on long-suffering, I'd have a student up on the stage and I'd just... Punch him the whole time. Like, punch him in the arm. I probably get in trouble for that now, but you could do that like 20 years ago. You just punch him. And, I'm, and I'd go through the whole thing talking about love and kindness and long-suffering. And I'd say, is your arm hurt? And he'd say, well, it didn't when you started, but the longer you kept going, it just got a deeper pain and it hurt more and more and more. You know what? Jesus does that for us. Jesus is long-suffering for us. But he also tells us to be long-suffering towards others. 
Which means, you know what, Jesus, you suffered long for me. I'm willing to suffer long as others as others hurt me. Listen, as it goes on here, it says this long suffering, but not only that, forbearing one another. It says here, if you have a quarrel against any, just like Jesus forgave you, you have a responsibility and a command to forgive them. I'll never forget in my first season of ministry, I met with somebody who said, I will not forgive them. And I had to sit there and say, you understand that God, that means that God literally makes it clear. If you will not forgive, you cannot be forgiven. They said, I know, and I don't care. And I thought, what pain have you gone through that you're willing to say, I'm willing to not be forgiven as long as I can hold on to this. Do you realize, church, I know you've heard this, but I'm going to say it again, that bitterness is the only poison that kills the vessel that holds it. And if you're willing to hold on that bitterness instead of pouring out the forgiveness just like God has given you, then you are hurting yourself. You are hurting the family that's closest to you. You think that I'm going to get them by holding on to this bitterness, but they're moving on with their life and you are hurting yourself. Do not hold on to bitterness. You need to forgive if you need to seek relational restoration. Number two, we need to look at love. I want to share this with you. Um, As you continue on, it says this in, in this verse here. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Listen, this is a verse that it goes through one thing after another, talking about all these things that you need to have. And then right after that, it says, by the way, in fact, this is Colossians chapter three. This is a continuation of the passage I just said that you need to sit down and write these things out. And it goes on and it says, above all these things, if you are struggling with forgiveness and you're struggling with long suffering and you're struggling with all of these other things, At the very foundation, you must understand that you are commanded to love. We've said it every single day we've been together. Love God and love other people. Those are the first two commandments. As you go on here, it says in this verse in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Do you realize if you're having relational conflict in your life, you're not willing to forgive and you're not willing to love, you will not have peace. You may be here tonight and you're saying, yeah, but it's what they did. A a, a lesson I try to teach those that I get to mentor and invest in and pour into, starting with my kids, but then also with young adults, is as long as you blame the problem on other people, you are a victim and nothing can change. But when you will take responsibility saying, I know all the things that they, they did wrong. I know all the things that they said. And God knows and God will deal with that. But I have to deal with the things that I have done. I have to confess. I have to restore. It may be embarrassing, humiliating, but I have to go back and deal with these things. God does not want you to live in a relationship storm. He wants you to live in forgiveness and love. In Philippians chapter 2, we see all about humility. Do you remember this passage? It says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. You know what that is? That's called the golden rule. It means treat other people better than how you want to be treated. If we would take that and live by it, it would change our world. Making sure that we say, you know what, I don't have it all together, but at least I'm going to treat the people around me the way that I want to be treated. So listen, if we want peace in our lives relational, we need to have forget relationally, we need to have forgiveness and love and humility and faith. Faith to trust God. 
You know, when we're holding on to these things, when you're holding on to bitterness in a relationship and a storm in your life, do you know you're ultimately saying, I don't have the faith to believe that God is going to deal with this appropriately, and so I need to take matters into my own hand. Are there matters in your life that you are holding on to with your own hands instead of having the faith that you need to put this in God? I tied that verse to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it's a verse we say all the time, but you need to trust in the Lord. Listen, trust in the Lord and lean not into your own understandings. Even when it doesn't make sense, you forgive and let God take care of the rest. In every detail of this relationship, acknowledge Jesus, acknowledge him. And guess what? As you take it to him, he will direct your paths. He'll show you what to do. If you don't know what to do in a relational storm that you're in, say, Lord, help me know what to do. I don't even know where to begin. If you still don't know what to do and you're praying about, then seek godly counsel. Come to one of your pastors. Come to a spiritual mentor and say, I have this struggle and I don't even know where to begin. It's too complex. And seek godly advice on how you can resolve these things. So number three here, Jesus gives peace in our relational storms. But number four is this. Jesus gives peace in our spiritual storms. I don't know what spiritual storms you're facing tonight, but God's grace is sufficient. Here's what I think of when I think of spiritual storms. I think of a heart that's callous toward the Lord. I think of spiritual warfare where we just feel like, man, one thing after another after another are going wrong. And it just feels like this is not normal. This is a supernatural warfare. This is a supernatural attack. And all of those things, what are we supposed to do? I believe that we're supposed to ask the Lord to keep our heart close to him. Remember the verse we read at the beginning? That will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. As we see in this passage, I think of Psalm 51.10, where when David is going through his most difficult times, he says, Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. God, I need you to change my heart. I can't do it. I need you to clean my heart. I can't do it. It goes on and it says, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Listen to this verse. If you have a hard heart toward the Lord, this needs to be our prayer because the next verse in Psalm 51 says, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy spirit. If you're here tonight and maybe you're just going through a storm that's a dry spell of a storm. It's not a storm of of rain. It's a storm of, of drought, spiritual drought. If you're there, I just beg you to go to the Lord and say, God, I want you. I want to know you. I want to feel your presence in my life. I want to see you working. I want to spend time with you. I want to grow in my walk with you each and every day. Go to the Lord with transparency and with brokenness and ask him to help you get through the spiritual storms that you're going through. So there's four different perspectives there. I will tell you, I'm going to be real honest. I skipped over one and I failed to go through some details in regards to the peace that God gives us in our physical storms. I just want to share this with you real quickly. I believe in those times of physical storms when we are filled with all of the pain of dealing with sickness and and disease and cancer and all of these things, we need to put our trust in Jesus. Katie and I, my wife, have gone through some of the darkest times in in the last year and a half. The pain is unbelievable. And the grief is not something that I'm going to stand up here tonight and just tell you, hey, you know what, just trust the Lord and it's bright and shiny in the future. It's not like that. My, my mother-in-law, this one of the sweetest women to ever lived, she passed away over a year and a half ago. And today my wife sent me a text about the beautiful shoes that my daughter is wearing and how they were Nana's and how she's wearing them to school and how it's so sweet and it's so bitter and it hurts. And we take our, our literally feels like physical pain and sorrow and anguish and grief. And we take that to the Lord and say, God, 
This grief is unbearable, but we will trust you. We will, we, un, we will understand just like you told the disciples to that you have a plan. And even when it doesn't make sense, we will trust you through the pain. We'll trust you through the heartache and the grief and the, the, the pain that lingers and just goes on and on. And we will trust that you are powerful and working in our lives. Tonight, here's how I want to wrap this up. I want to give you these I tell you I'm practical. I want to give you, okay, great, yes, I do understand that I'm pain. I understand it's God, that God's faithful. But what can I do when I leave tonight and I go back home and all of the fears, all of the anxieties, all the struggles, the darkness of this storm overwhelms, what can I do? I want you to write these things down. Number one, it's right where we started. Keep your eyes on Jesus and trust him. Keep your eyes on Jesus and trust him. Listen, don't worry. It's going to get even more practical. But say here, keep your eyes on Jesus and trust him. Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4. Listen to what it says here. By the way, I'm going to add a verse to it intentionally. Verse 3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. The next verse says this, Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Here's the thing. Jesus is not telling you, God does not tell you in any one of these circumstances that you need to just buckle down and stand strong through this. No, he does not. He says, you trust me and in my strength will give you the peace. My strength will work in your life. We trust God even when it doesn't make sense and he will give us the perfect peace. As it continues, number one, what do we do in the storms? Number one, we keep our eyes on Jesus and we trust in him. Number two, we pray and thank God. We thank God through the storm. What? Listen to what it says in this passage. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Write that down with it. We pray and thank God through the storm. And you have a direct verse that helps you understand this. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Here's what it says. Be careful for nothing. That is not saying don't ever be careful. It's saying don't be filled with worry. Don't be filled with anxiety about anything. Do not be filled with anxiety or worry for nothing, but instead in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And guess what the promise is? And if you will do that, verse seven says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. You have a burden tonight that you don't know how to handle. You don't know how to get through. You feel like you're in a storm and that storm follows you everywhere you go and you can't get out. What are you to do? You are to pray. You are to give thanks. Pray to the Lord and give thanks. And as you do, it promises here that the peace of God. I had a conversation. Pat, Pat, Patsy, Patsy. I had a conversation one of my most encouraging conversations all week with was Patsy. Was that Sunday? I think it was Sunday we had that conversation. And she said to me, here's the struggles that I'm going through. And I struggled and I told God I'm not going to give him some specific part of this. But you know what? Finally, I said, God, I will give it to you. I'll give you complete trust. Even if it costs me, even if it ends with my life, I'll trust you no matter what. And she said, I'll never forget it. She said, and I had the most unbelievable peace I have ever experienced. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And she's like, no, you don't know. You have never experienced a peace like this. And I'm going, you're right. I probably haven't. That's incredible. Like a peace 
that passes all understanding. That is the promise when we take our storms to the throne of God and we pray and we have thanksgiving. You say, why does it say to have thanksgiving? It doesn't even make sense. How can I thank him for the storm? That takes us to our last point. And we're going to say this and we're going to be done. Here's why we have thanksgiving even in the midst of our storm in our prayers. Because we recognize and remember God's goodness. Turn with me to Psalm 27. Psalm 27, this will be the last passage we turn to tonight. Psalm 27, I'm pretty sure this is, I know it's in my top five ranking of favorite verses, all right? You guys have heard all week that I like to rank different things. This is in my top five, 100%. Um, And this verse, Psalm 27, really the whole psalm is powerful. In fact, this is what this psalm commands us to do. It commands us to remember God's goodness and to wait on the Lord. I'm going to go for about 90 more seconds. Please bear with me. Please stay with me for this last point here. In the midst of our storms, storms are dark. Storms are scary. And in the midst of our storms, Psalm 27 tells us this. Look at verse 1. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I love how he reiterates the question to himself because it's like the first one is this sense of like, oh, I'm trying to convince myself. And the second one is like, you better believe it. Like it is, I'm building my own confidence as I remind myself that the Lord is my light and my salvation. So whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Look at verse 7, and it says this, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and, and answer me. When thou said, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. May that be our heart, God. You told me to look to you. Remember over in Isaiah, you told me if I'll keep my eyes focused on you, then you will give me peace that passes understanding. And then look down at verse 13 and 14. You need to memorize this, by the way. In the darkest and most difficult days, this is a verse that will lift you up and it will remind you of powerful things. Verse 13 says this, I had fainted. I like to add the word would. I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Oh, man, you know what? This is powerful because this is David saying, if I would not have remembered God's goodness in the darkest times, I'd have failed. I'd have fallen flat on my face. I would not have made it. But I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord. I reminded myself in faith. I reminded myself to trust that God is good. I don't understand. The waves are big, but he has a bigger plan. And so I will remind myself that he is good and he is in control and he is on the boat with me. And so I can trust him. I can put my faith in him and I need not fear the greatest storm because his plan is bigger than the greatest storm I'll face. I can trust him through the storm. Jesus alone is our only peace in the storm. Will you pray with me tonight? 
Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the promises in your word and the reminder that no matter how difficult, no matter how painful the storm, no matter how confusing or complex the storm is, your word gives us clarity that if we will pray, if we will trust you, if we will remember your goodness, that you will give us a perfect peace that passes all understanding. God, I pray that tonight we will keep our eyes on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.